Hello everyone, I'm Chris Oakley and you're listening to part 2 of the Football Attic Kit Podcast, episode 15. You'll no doubt be aware that in this episode, Rich Johnson and I are talking to John Devlin about the True Colours books that were published just over 10 years ago. In this second and final part of our podcast, we talk to John about the second volume of True Colours and discover how successful it was compared to the previous volume. But to begin with, we continue our discussion on the first book and ask John what was involved in promoting Volume 1 after it was initially published. Well, again, it was it's very different to what it would be like now, Chris, I think. If it happened now, it would be a totally different experience. I think at the time, Ainsley Black kept me in the loop all the way through it. So they guided me through the process. They said, we're going to the, the London Book Fair. We're taking along a, a, what they call a BLAD, B-L-A-D. And that's, uh, BLAD is like a mini version of the book a sample chapter so I was involved with all of that and had to provide artwork for that so I knew what was going on at all times um and we got a fair bit of press at the time not as much maybe as I would have liked but a fair bit and of course we had a big book launch at sports pages in Char- off Charing Cross Road in London which was the, one of the best nights of my life it was so good <laughs> and I always remember at the end at last knockings of that evening we were, we were talking to the guys who worked there and on the TV, they have Sky Sports. And I think my book, they popped it up as number one sports book of the week. Wow. And everyone went, oh, bloody hell, look, look, look. You know? <laughs> and that was just like one of those moments that you'd never get again. And it was just, that was that was incredible. That was so lovely. Um, the biggest interview, I did a few interviews. The biggest one was with Danny Kelly on BBC London, where I went into the studio. And and he was a lovely guy, really. He loved the book. And... and um, he was quite, you know, blunt about the bits he didn't like, but also very complimentary about the bits that he did. Mm-hmm. And I took calls from listeners and stuff like that, which was just, you know, wonderful, going up to Marilyn Brown High Street and being in the studio and, and doing all that stuff. So uh, so that was really good. But it, I think now it would, it would be different. There would be a lot more, lot more interest because, again, I keep reiterating it, there just wasn't the interest in football mm-hmm. shirts back then. It, it was yeah. still a... You know, a relatively undocumented like an topic. Unspoken, yeah, yeah, which so I could never get get my head around. An interest in it, but it wasn't sort of something. It was. I think I always get the impression, go, going back a few years, that it was almost, almost sort of embarrassing to bring up the subject of kit design. And yet, if you were to go to a football match and you're standing uh, sitting there on the terrace, uh, sitting on the terrace, sitting there in the stand. Um, and and then the teams run out on the pitch. You can guarantee somebody somewhere near you is going to sort of say, "Oh, they're wearing the away kit today." Or so, and so the people yeah. are aware of that stuff. And I think, you know, obviously, your books yeah. help to sort of bring that a little bit more out into the open, and, and so you could discuss it without having to wear a paper bag over your head and stuff like that. Yeah, do, do you know what you're right? It's actually like that kind of white elephant. It's like, well, let's not talk about it. Let's not talk about yeah. what they're wearing. And my argument was, but it's the it's the identity of the team. Therefore, you yeah. you know, let's talk oh, about okay. it. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. It's, it's great that you, had a, you got to talk to uh, Danny Kelly. Um, <laughs> yeah, good old Danny <laughs> Kelly. Anyway, it was, it was great. Yeah, really yeah. good. I've still got it on tape. Actually, I've got that interview on tape. If I can, if I can get my head around digitising it, I'll, I'll digitise yeah, it. it. <laughs> I'd hear that. Indeed, haven't we? <clears throat> um, one of, uh, just the, the last I would say on, on volume one is that I, I think Chris pointed this out. It says, one of your quotes from book one was, and yes, I should get out more. Uh, and the question is, was it an antisocial experience working on the books? Or did actually, did you get to end up meeting a lot of people once they were published? It was very antisocial, yeah. <laughs> I used to get in from work. I was working, as I say, for, design, for the design practice. And in my lunch hour, I'd drive out in my car and phone up all these people because I couldn't get a signal where I worked. I had to go out, you know, half a mile down the road and do it. And then when I got home, I'd have my dinner and I'd work from half six till 12, one o'clock in the morning and then go back up to work the next day. It was that lengthy getting that all done. And the study was full of stuff, as you can imagine. It was antisocial. It did cause, I mean, on a serious level, it did cause problems in my home life it was um mm. yeah it, because I, I kind of abandoned everything else and just focused on this so it did cause it did cause some problems yeah yeah i, was going to say, it's, I mean it's there's been a few things with the great, greatest respect that you've said throughout this interview like i think of myself so i think it's one of my ambitions to get a book of some kind published i don't know if i will achieve it but there's been a few things you've said along the way and i just think 
well, it's not going to happen because he's basically said he spent he spent four years working on the book. So that's me out because I haven't got the patience to spend four years on anything. He said he sort of caused problems sort of outside of you know publishing the book, the, the project mm. in general. I just it's, it's absolutely mind boggling how you can how you found the commitment to it and saw it right the way through. But I, mean, I was going to oh, mention that at the end, but I mean, it's, that's anyway. Do you know, it's very kind, Chris. I appreciate you you saying that because I think it's um, I think after the first book came out. I also became a dad as well. And of course, then that's another chunk of your time gone. You can't, you can't ignore your daughter. Your, your daughter. So you've got to spend time there as well. And that, that gives you even less time, doesn't it? So, yeah, it's frightening me. It's, I'm more frightened now than when I was doing it. That's what I can't get my head around. That's what I'm here for, John. That's what I'm here for. <laughs> As you can say, the, the likelihood of TC3 happening is, is dwindling by the minute. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> develop the nickname the warrior at this point yeah. <laughs> yeah, but then then they'll come out the football attics guide to tease to true colors or something and you'll still steal the idea all the ideas <laughs> so so how did the conversation about volume two go with the wife there <laughs> <laughs> yeah that wasn't um it was mm, well the publishers were so the first one did so well they were so keen i think within a couple of months they emailed me and said right volume two and of course I was really lucky because I had a huge chunk of teams left over. Because mm. that was the other thing as well, is that, of course, the Premier League, they, they'd insisted for commercial reasons, to, for maximum appeal, it's got to be the Premier League. And you don't know who's going to be the the, um, the Premier League, do you, until the last day of the season, the book really. Yeah, yeah. And then we've got weeks to get the artwork ready before it needs to go to print to make this kind of golden October time where all Christmas books are uh, mm. published for Christmas. And I think the first book, or was it the second? I think it was the first one. It was the first Premier League ever where none of the team, none of the teams we knew were going down and were going up. So it literally was. I was at the radio that, that afternoon thinking, please let it be Leeds or whoever it was that I'd done. Please let it be them. And, of course, it wasn't. It was like Wigan and Crystal Palace or whatever it was. And I thought, oh, no. And I had to do Wigan from scratch in about a week. Oh. And the, the guys from the, uh, the old Oaken Crown, or was it the old, I forget what it is now, the Wigan website, they were brilliant. Yeah. They helped me out so much because I had to cram Wigan's kit history in a week in order <laughs> to make this deadline. So it was this idea of, it, it was just sod's law that we didn't know any, any of the, the final team. So it was all up in the air. But they, yeah, it wasn't, I did, I did approach it del- delicately with my, my wife, <laughs> my girlfriend at the time. I don't think she was overly happy, but... <laughs> did you just did you just wave the checkbook from from the first book in her face? <laughs> yeah, that wouldn't have made much of a breeze. <laughs> but yeah, no, I know it, it was a little bit like I think I dedicated the second book to her. I think I had to do that really. <laughs> I was just, yeah, I can I imagine that you know, kind of like another another for the fifth, you know, the hundredth consecutive lonely night, and it's like, and then you go. I've dedicated the book to you. And she's like, yes. you're, just, you're just taking the piss now, aren't you? <laughs> yeah, because how many how many women have you met who are interested in football shirts? There's like none, none of them at all. So it's, mate, it's mate, my, my wife absolutely loves them. <laughs> she constantly refers to them as nylon tat or, <laughs> or t-shirts just to wind me up or just um, – Watch it, dishcloths. I just like creatively oh, designed dishcloths. Yeah, dreadful. Well, which doesn't, dreadful which doesn't help when you get the 1860 Oktoberfest ones, which actually do look like dishcloths. And, and when you tell her what the cost of them are, then it all becomes a bit uh, a bit scary, I guess. See, what you've done though is you've assumed I tell her what the cost is. <laughs> actually, I remember when I bought the Argentina one that, that cost me several hundred pounds. I didn't tell her for about a month. I just kept saying it wasn't cheap, and then eventually. <laughs> I really, I, I sort of revealed how not cheap it was, and then, but I did that. I did that sort of, you know, the, the stereotypical woman thing when you bought something in the sale, and you go, "Well, it was, or it's worth." <laughs> but it, it only no. cost me this. So technically, it was about. Technically, I've saved us hundreds of pounds. <laughs> <laughs> you should be thanking me. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> come back. Yeah. Uh, um, Have you changed gonna... these locks again? <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, John, actually, it's something you just sort of touched on a moment ago, which is that um, obviously Volume 2 comes around and, and mm. it came out the following year in 2006. Now, given that it took you so long to put the first one together, what, the, how you managed to do the second volume, produce the second volume so quickly, is it because you had all that surplus material still left over from Volume yeah. 1? 
A lot of it was, for example, Palace, Derby, Leeds, Leicester, Norwich, Forest, Southampton, all those teams that had been in the top flight for a long period, they were all done. So it really was a case of working out who was going to be the second one. And then that, that sort of bum-clenching time in the last day of the season where you think, oh, God, please don't let some team, you know, even lower league team get promoted. So a lot of the work had been done. A lot of the permissions had been done. So I'd done a lot of that work as well. Um, as Richard said earlier, I'm sorry, I didn't follow up on that question. Sheffield Wednesday had refused permission. So they were out, even though I'd done all of their section. Um and, and going back and begging them virtually to say, you know, look, Sheffield United are in it. The guy just said, no, I'm not doing it. Wow. So that was it. But I think did the big thing was... reason for that? Did, or did they just say no? No, he didn't. He didn't. It was a guy called Cavan Cavan Walker, I think his name was. And he Why was a chairman. Twitter and swear at him. Well, he was a chairman at the time. And it, it came and he was like a, from what I understand, he was a bit of a dictator. Um, <laughs> and so he just said, no, it's not. No, I'm not doing it. And I sent him a copy of the first book, and I sent him this, and I sent him that. No interest. <laughs> and of course, a lot of Wednesday fans have had a go at me over the years. Yeah, yeah. And when I and when I explain that, they'll go, "Ah, oh, right, yeah, he was a tosser," <laughs> and yeah. they they instantly empathise with me because they can see that I desperately wanted him to be in, it be in there, but just couldn't do it. Because wasn't there something with Charlton as well? Was it? One of the sponsors or something wouldn't allow yeah. red hats or something. Yeah, there were two in the first book. There were two sponsors that refused permission. The first, and, and I always, I, I always tell the story. Yeah, cause were Chelsea, and that was a guy in America. So I phoned America, and he said, "I'd love to give you permission." He said, "But the amount of paperwork I'd have to do," he said, "I just can't do it." <laughs> so that was it. But at least he was decent about it. Red yeah. Bus and Charlton, it was, and this is what people can't believe, it was the very first call I ever made. So I knew I had to call all <laughs> these people. And I had my big folder and I went out in my car, parked up, and it was the first call I made. And the first I asked the question and they just went, No. <laughs> and I said, sorry? No. <laughs> I said, why? He said, not we're not no, not doing it. And I said, you know, is there any movement? What can we do? And I must admit, I shed a tear because I thought to myself, all of this isn't going to happen. Yeah. And it's because it was the first call. And it's just really weird looking back on it because it's not like my character at all to keep going. Because quite easily I would have said, do you know what? I can't do it. I'm going to give up. Mm. But obviously I kept going and I begged them and I sent them this, I sent them that. And of course, what turned out is that they, when they split with Charlton, they split their sponsorship deal quite, they broke it early. They had a massive falling out with the club and they didn't want any association with the club at all. So it's a purely personal reasons for them. Um, and in some respects you can think, okay, there's a reason for it. But on the other hand, Everyone knows they sponsor Charlton. Don't hide it. It's just mm. you know documenting history, isn't it? Yeah. But yeah, yeah. They, so that was that was a crush. That really was a crushing blow. So all I did was just leave them off it and put a little footnote to say why they weren't in the book. And that was that was all yeah. I could do. Did you just write "Red Bus of Twats" or something under it? <laughs> I think I wrote something very decent. And the, the good thing was though, because I think their third kit at the time was a black, a black one, and it it was also sponsored by all sports who i think came in afterwards so i think it was only i've got my book here oh it was actually three kits yeah three kits didn't have a sponsor on it which is a bit of a shame yeah a bit of a shame but then mind That's well it. actually with, hmm. go on sorry john i was gonna say with the second book the big deal was getting the home internationals in there that was what the publishers yeah. didn't think was going to happen so when i phoned them and said the fa have approved it they, they couldn't believe it because they said the fa never approve anything why yeah, they know? And it, that was when it was all systems go then. I think that's when they believed that the second one would come out as well. I was, I was going to say, I really like the fact that the home uh, international kits are in the, the mm. second book. I've always had like a bit of a fascination with the old England kits there, especially with the, the sort of third kits from the 80s. The light blue. <laughs> yeah. Well, it was, it was funny because I think the second book, obviously, well, not obviously, it didn't do anywhere near as well as the first book, which could... I think if it came out now, it would be different because of the way that the world is and marketing is. But at the time, of course, it kind of validated what ANC Black was saying, is that people really want the top league, the top flight. That's, mm. you know, because the second book was all low, slightly lower league sides. I, I don't know if that's right or wrong, but that's that's what their argument. But the I think it came out in 2006, and of course, everyone was hoping England would do so well in uh, World Cup. 
And of course they didn't. It was another disaster. And I was hoping the book would sell loads based on England doing so well, you know, yeah. includes England kits, sticker on the front and all this sort of stuff. <laughs> but, would, would it not have helped based on Scotland's performance of that well? Sorry, <laughs> sorry I can't hear. The, the, the call's gone crackling. <laughs> just carry on. Uh, dear. <laughs> Um, I'll, I'll try and sort of uh, lift the mood a bit if I, if I may. Yeah. Um, so was it your idea, um, John, to have the international kits in there? Because, I mean, that's, that was a real draw for me. And when I saw that there was a Volume oh, 2 right. coming out and they were going to have the home international teams, I thought, fantastic. So was it your idea or yeah. did the publisher suggest it? Or No, it was, it was my idea. I wanted to have lower league teams, sort of the second, second division te- or championship teams that had been known for being in the top flight. That was mm. my so teams like Wolves, uh, Wolves and Watford, who have been at some point or other in the top flight, and also the home internationals, and we did talk about Celtic and Rangers in there as well. Wow. But then it began to become too much of a um, sort of hodgepodge hodge of ideas. You know, there are three different kind of leagues Strand. or areas yeah. there, strands, and it felt a bit a bit fragmented. So we didn't go didn't go ahead with them. Um, yeah, so it was yeah, it was my idea to get that get that in there. Excellent. Good stuff. It's a, it's a real highlight of that book, actually. I have to say. Oh, thank you. Um, yeah. Uh, well, actually, um, I don't know if we did discover this about uh, international teams being easy to research or illustrate, but I was going to ask that. So, um, so uh, let oh. me ask that. Uh, I was going to say. And, and, well, the thing is, is, what I wanted to know was: uh, are international teams easier to research uh, and and indeed illustrate? Now, the reason I was going to ask that is because I know, for instance, especially when you go. I mean, I don't think it happens so much in this country, but I know that, um, for instance, um, as we talked about before. <clears throat> excuse me i am an argentina fan and they used to change kits every yeah. five minutes in the 80s so like i said i don't think england did so much and they might have had variations where they changed their shorts and them but for instance like a lot of countries seem to have just literally their entire kit's different so like they go couple, back as well don't they they'll dig yeah, out yeah, two and, years and think, ago and start yeah because i think <laughs> when uh chris you were doing the germany thing you've the illustrating the best germany kits you found that as well they were all over the shop sometimes germany, keep, france you know, oh yeah yeah, yeah exactly um, so, but I don't, I don't know because I don't think England and Scotland that have. I think they've been a bit more consistent. So, yeah, that easier actually. And were there plans to include anyone other than the home nations? And well, and that's another story. But in terms <laughs> of how easy it was, half and half. England and Scotland very easy because I could, I knew the Scotland ones off the top of my head, and actually knew the England ones as well. The the hardest ones were Wales, Northern Ireland, and we included the Repu- Republic of Ireland as well. That was really tricky. Um, because there just wasn't the source material out there. I didn't know Shaky then. If I'd known that Simon <laughs> Shakeshaft, that all would have been a lot easier. I didn't know him then. Um, but again, the that became really tricky. Republic of Ireland are very known for wearing a random selection of kits, and quite often one or two anomalies would pop up. And if you miss them, if you don't have a photo from that game, that's it. You haven't got it. But I remember going to programme fairs in London and picking up all these Welsh international programmes, and they just didn't have the material even in them. So you <laughs> couldn't see. I remember in the in when they were being kitted out by Lotto, buying the programmes from the era, and they just didn't focus on the kits at all. So it was purely by luck. And there was, there was a few websites around began to come out about older football shirts. And I think I found a few of them popped up there. There was a, a site about voting for your favourite shirt that came up. And that was quite useful. It's, nothing ever came of it, but that was quite useful. And, of course, the biggest problem I had was with Wales as shaky never fails to mention there's a kit in there that never existed because <laughs> again if i was struggling to find a gap and i'd go around i'd email different people to try and figure it out um i got information that one of their kits was a, a white version of the home shirt and it never existed but that's <laughs> what i was told and that turned out to be a mistake that Subutio made back in the time yeah. back in the day that was repeated again and again so <laughs> It really was, um, you, you know, and, and the funny thing was the Welsh FA signed off their pages as well. I had to send them <laughs> a full set of pages. A few, Not everybody wanted that, but a few clubs and FAs wanted to see what I was writing. Because, I, you know, that's why it, it couldn't, and I'm not really into sl- slagging off kids. I'm all about the positivities of them. Mm. Um, but that's why they had to be careful of that. But, yeah, the Welsh FA signed it off and obviously had missed, missed that one. So... <laughs> In terms of the lower international sides, it was very tough. Yeah, really hard. Mm-hmm. 
And I'm just curious to know, actually, John, I mean, in general terms with the with the second volume of the book, um, did you approach it in any way differently uh, to the first book? Did you, we were sort of discussed about whether you wanted to, to make any tweaks to the format after the first mm. book, but did you sort of think, actually, this might be a chance to do something well, not drastically different, but kind of notably different. Or and did and obviously you had the experience of having done the first book, so you, I guess you could work a little bit quicker as you yeah. went through this because you had all the procedures in place. Yeah, and it, it was that, and it also I had all the templates done. I had my formulas. I had my my crib sheet of, of what each kit needed to do and what I needed to talk about. So it did become easy, and also. Um, just keep it just keep it simple don't change a formula that had been a success and and there was no need to to really do that so it was very much designed to be an accompanying um, if, if i'd had my way the first book would have been much bigger i would have included all those kits as well mm-hmm. that was my thinking so it made sense not to change it indeed there's a question here that um i was going to say that's um it, it rings very true to me having again talking about me put in my two kit box <laughs> <laughs> Whose interview is this? Which, which you know which I, actually i would say they're available but they're not so you can't buy them so they're like they're, they're rare and everything you know <laughs> only three three copies of each exist <laughs> and i own them all and mr jr hartley bought one as well uh, i was going to say there's a uh, basically one thing I found and I really struggled with a lot when I was uh, doing all the descriptions was the amount of times you have to, you find yourself repeating words. So like, obviously you have to, I mean, I, I, I think the <laughs> one I, I struggled with was shirt, outfit, kit, um, and, and things like that. Trying to find other words for, you know, things yeah. like badge, crest, uh, sponsors, logo, things like that. So, so <laughs> how yeah. did you, oh. how much fun did you have with that? Cause I know you said <laughs> I feel your pain. Yeah, I know you said before that you have like a word board. I think you've said that you said yeah. part of the way you tackle with it is because because I I think the first time you said that was after I'd already done my second book and I really struggled with that. And you, you know, you find yourself saying the word. You know, so there's only so many words for kit. Yeah, that's it. As long as, you, as long as you repeat them in the same paragraph, you're fine. Yes. So you've got kit, strip, uniform, shirt, jersey, um, outfit. There you go. There's your there's your kind of um, lexicon, as it were. But what I did, I, I got my wife involved and said, right, go through this thesaurus and write down loads of descriptive words. And that's what she did. She wrote them out in all these A4 sheets. I had them on my pinboard above my computer. And I just put, this shirt is engaging. <laughs> this shirt is, you know, and that's what I did. You just look at these, because you do, you do draw a blank. You, you hit a brick wall. Yeah. And, you know, my vocab probably isn't as good as I'd want it to be. So you just, you just have to immerse yourselves in all these great descriptive words. That's what you do. Did you ever use the word nice? <laughs> oh, I'm sure I did. Yeah. Challenging is the one that Dennis Hurley always picks up on me. Picks up. <laughs> if, 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 the, if a kit, if I'm not so fond of a kit, I'll often refer to it as challenging, which is a polite way of saying, hmm, don't know about that one. So there's, you have to be uh, <laughs> a little bit careful, I guess. <laughs> Diplomatic, yeah. Diplomatic, that's the word. Um, <laughs> A few, a few sort of questions, really, just about the, the actual illustration and your approach to the illustrations, John. Um, mm-hmm. First of all, um, I was just going to ask, um, what do you find are the most difficult aspects of illustrating kits? Because when I'm wow. doing my kits, for when I'm doing my own illustrations, I find a that the collars can be strangely fiddly, and yet you think that's one of the smallest elements of any kit and also obviously there's the whole thing about sort of getting sponsor logos um because especially if you're dealing with a kit from like the early 80s that company might not be around anymore and therefore their logo might not be freely available on the internet what what are the tricky bits that you find when you're when you're illustrating kits god i could go on about this all day i hope i'm not boring all your all your listeners um (laughs) there's lots the collars particularly are a real bugbear you're absolutely right and in fact in recent years i've kept a collar database so i keep all my collars in one place because what i hate there's a period in the mid 90s where collars had come back in and rather than keeping them simple every collar had an extra fold and extra um extra bits and an extra this you you know the 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 era i mean yes yeah yeah and you think, oh, for God's sake, just keep them straightforward. And that <laughs> yeah. became a real pain because you're always tweaking them slightly different, yeah. slightly different each time. Um, sponsor logos, yeah, that was hard. And that was, again, another reason to buy programs because 
you'd like to think that if you go back the program they'd have an ad for the company who was sponsoring the team but believe it or not that didn't always happen and then i'd scan in the logo and and trace it on illustrator and then later on went on to the automatic tracing on illustrator and did it that way so quite often, yeah, it was a lot of scanning and a lot of drawing logos and crests as well. Drawing that period in the mid-90s, again, where a lot of teams went for their kind of borough crest, yeah, like even walls, sort of thing, yeah. coats of arms, looking at that. And you think, oh, for goodness sake, because they're so intricate. Yeah. And you have to, if you zoomed them in, you'd find they wouldn't, they wouldn't stand up to scrutiny. But mm. at the size they were reproduced in the book, which is cunningly decided that they had to be that size, mm. they would, you would get away with it because you, you, you know, they would be passable. But the biggest challenge, I think, was to capture the character of the show. And some online illustrators, I mean, you do it very well, Chris, I'm, I'm not just saying this, oh, but you. a lot of online illustrators, they don't capture the character of the show. And you look at it and you think, okay, it's it's yeah it's kind of like what they wear but you've got to capture the essence of it and that's what i worked really really hard to try and do and that's why i always described it as a cross between someone wearing it and laying the shirt out flat because i think that was the best way to do that so that was one of the aspects um and the other thing of course is when you've got these intricate shadow patterns uh like more like the the triple layer things that umbro used to do and you do it and you illustrate this shirt and then you'd see another photo of the shirt with the sunlight shining on it in a different way. And you think, oh, God, there's another layer of it. And you have to do that as well, you know. Yeah. I was just going to say, on that note, actually, what would you say is the hardest shirt to illustrate that you've ever done? Because I'm thinking, I know, having tried to do a few myself, I know that the Holland 88 one is, is a nightmare to get right. It's because it's yeah. when you look at the shirt in reality and then look at everybody's ex- illustrations I've ever seen of it, in, uh, it it's very hard to get the exact pattern yeah. right yeah <laughs> the, the kind of the, the uh, geometry of it i would say the ones that were the hardest i can't think of one at the top of my head but the ones that were the hardest would be the kind of paintbrush ones like wolves had a paintbrush or tire track oh, yeah, do you remember yeah. that because what it did i had to do it in a different i had to use photoshop as well so i had to look at it and think how am i going to replicate that design and that became quite hard. Another tough one was, oh, do you know, the worst, and I'm still not happy with them. <laughs> Got my book here. Just remember, just reminded me. The Arsenal, uh, Nike, away, 0203. When they were sponsored by 02, and they had like a, a diamond pattern that radiated out. Do you remember those? Oh, oh yeah, I remember that, yeah. And I think Leeds, Leeds wore a yellow version of it Yeah, as they well. did, yeah. I have to say that the way I've done it is... It's not good, um, and that's the one that I—that's my hardest, and the one I'm least happy with. I'm looking at it now, and it's—I wow, was looking at that one uh, just earlier on today. Actually, I was just thinking how how you've done a splendid job of of getting to the, <laughs> it, but but it's because it's so tricky to do, and and um, yeah. and and I mean, there's there's another thing I was going to actually ask you about, which is the fact that obviously you're designing something for print, and the, therefore you've got to take some yeah. print resolution into account. Um, it's bad enough when I've done the illustrations that are only appearing on on the web, and you've got to, if there's a sort of slightly flickery pattern, if you know what I mean, a bit yeah. like the one you mentioned, you've got to figure out a way that, that it will be optimized. And, and I was just looking That's at your, your, that Arsenal kit illustration earlier on. I was thinking you've done that in a way that you can see exactly what the pattern is. So, and so for me, it works. Yeah. Well, no, that's exactly the, the problem, Chris, is that I think even at first I was getting used to the different colorways you have on, on drawing packages, RGB or CMYK, and realizing that you'd never get a decent blue out of CMYK. You know, if you look at a Chelsea shirt, you get the blue in RGB, wonderful. It really, really pops out. It's vivid. Put that in, in CMYK, it instantly dulls down. And you almost have to adjust your mental color palette to think, I'm never going to get the blue as it really was. And you just have to accept it. But yeah, it's all about optimising it and getting the navies right as well, because navy, getting it dark enough, but getting it blue enough. I know it sounds really boring, but you, no, do you know no. what I mean? It's, yeah. it's, um, it's, it's really important to do that. But that's, yeah, there are lots of intricacies that I'd forgotten about as well. Lots of intricacies are getting it just right for print. Um, and of course, vector graphic files can be quite memory heavy as well. So then oh, you yeah. you end up dealing with cumbersome files that are slowing your machine down. So there's a there's a lot of that as well. <laughs> um, over to you, Rich. I've just been hogging the questions there. Go on. That's all right. Um, 
I was going to say, um, well, one of my, actually, there's a good question that's, it's, that I think you've written here, Chris, is that is, do you know of any well-known people, celebrities, or as you would call them, friends now, John, <laughs> <laughs> that, own, that, that own your book? Actually, I'm, I'm more interested if there's any that are not particularly in the football circle, because obviously it's a bit of an odd thing, you know, if, you, if you're not, I mean, I suppose... I suppose there would be quite a few football celebrities that might own it because they, you know, football people still like kits and stuff. But I was just wondering if there was any famous oh. people that outside of that necessarily. No, I mean, I think, yeah, it'd be love. I've had very little feedback, if any, from footballers themselves. Um, and well, that's because most of them can't read. So. <laughs> but there was one, I think, when we had the launch for my first, for the first book. I think my, my my niece came along and she was quite, I wouldn't say she was well-connected in the London scene, but she knew more of the London scene than I did. And she was friends with, um, who was the Chelsea boss at the time? Italian, bald-headed guy. Viali. Viali. She knew him. And she said, oh, I could have asked him if he wanted to come along. Oh, God. Why didn't you? Oh, God. For God's sake. Um, the only thing that's in, the only kind of celebrity I've got who follows me on Twitter is the bloke from Criminals. Um, Huey Morgan. He <laughs> follows really? me on Twitter. I don't know if it's a mistake, but that's my only claim to fame. I'm hanging on to that. Have you ever conversed with him? <laughs> no, no. I, you, you, but you know, the biggest buzz I get actually is when kit companies say they, they use my books. That is the biggest buzz. I, I mean, I love it when people email me. Even now, I get so many nice, really nice emails, and it, I love it. It really is a big deal that people take the time to do that. But I've had kit manufacturers say to me, especially like Nike and Umbro, have said, we've always got your books out on the table. We're always referring to them. And I think when Nike were doing, I don't know if it was their, what Man United shirt they were doing, well, whichever one came out after the first book, they said we actually scanned in all of your illustrations and had them as part of our presentation to the club so that was a that was a massive deal and when i've spoken to, to designers and there's been a couple of designers there's one guy i forget his name now and he works for a, a smaller kit firm now he posted a picture of himself on twitter and by his computer with both volumes of my book just tucked <laughs> in there and that's lovely, lovely. i mean because that's yeah. the people i'm paying tribute to kind of coming back yeah. and that's yeah. such a buzz for me you know <laughs> um one thing that we must do before we get anywhere near the end of this podcast, and I suspect we've still got another three and a half hours to go. Um, <laughs> uh, no, not really. Um, but uh, we did get a question from uh, Rob Carey, actually, also on the subject of uh, illustration. And uh, he basically said, um, tying in from what we mentioned earlier on, actually, uh, Johnny said, will the introduction of sleeve adverts change the way you design your shirts? Will the layout be different so that the sleeve is more visible? Good question. It is a good question. Funnily enough, I was going to put a poll on Twitter. I'll do it this weekend, talking about um, tournament patches and, mm-hmm. and sh- short numbers, because I had to make a decision, do I include tournament patches? And my, mm-hmm. my thinking was, okay, you're looking at Liverpool. If you illustrate their shirt, say, or Man United, say, in the, in the, when they're in Europe, do you do a different version of their shirt with the European badge rather than the Premier League? And that's when I ruled it out. So, no, I mean, I've done a lot of sleeve, sleeve illustration work for, I did a thing on New Zealand kits a while back and, mm-hmm. and French kits and stuff like that. And we did some for our um, 50 Greatest um, shirts as well. Of course. No, I, I'm just going to keep them the same. The yeah. biggest question is, how do I accommodate sponsors on the back? Because I don't really want to go down showing the backs mm-hmm. of the shirts, although I did do it for a while online. But that's because that's still that still needs to be documented, I think. So that's yeah. the biggest, tr- not so much sleeve, but reverse sponsors. Yes, absolutely. Mm, I have to say, a, while, a good a while back. Uh, yes, thank you, Rob, for your question there. Uh, I was going to say, um, our mutual friend Jay from designfootball.com uh, some time ago asked me to design some kits for something I can't remember quite what, and he said. Um, you will be doing the backs of the shirts, won't you? And at that point, I nearly unfriended him because I thought there's going to be so much <laughs> extra work involved. And, uh, yeah, but it's a, but it's a valid, valid thing, though. But, but what it is, though, Chris, I'm sure you've come across this. It's it's kind of fun and rewarding. But you, first of all, you've got to get a really good picture of the back of the shirt. Mm, that was for and, sure, yeah. And also, as well, you're looking at typefaces for numbers. And especially <laughs> even if you go back to the early days and the, the, the 80s, I find it really difficult to get an exact same font that they used on the shirt numbers Absolutely. it's just not, yeah, yeah. not quite right for some reason 
Um, so that is that is a problem. But there was a, I think I wrote about it in the book because lots of con- lots of sort of subcontexts pop out. There's lots of different streams of, stro- of stories, if you like. Hmm. And one of them was um, that kits became more designed 360 degrees. So they weren't just yes. viewed on the front. They began to have elements at the back that weren't on the front. So mm-hmm. you, that's when I started to try and accommodate that. But I don't know how yeah. I'd handle that on a new version. Mm. I think the thing as well is that sometimes the backs of shirts can be quite dull. I mean, I think for so, my yeah, yeah, for my second book because I've done books as well. You know, <laughs> I don't know if I've mentioned oh, you? <laughs> what are they on, what are they on, what are they about? Uh, I don't know. Kidnapping Janet and John. <laughs> Janet and John. Yeah, <laughs> yeah very good. Yeah, uh, yeah I was going to say because in in the second book I did actually include the backs. I had like the first section which was okay. like my kind of more like either unique or kind of more valuable shirts. And I, uh, I did the back of the shirts as well, but some yeah. of them, I mean, for instance, like the, the, I'm trying to think the Africa, um, the unity shirt that they had the back of it. I mean, the actual, to be fair, the front of the shirt's not particularly amazing, but the back of the shirt is just plain, you know, and, and some of them it's like, you kind of feel like you're wasting a lot of real estate on the page yeah. by including it. But at the yeah. same time, some of them, for instance, I don't mean to thinking about it. It's very rare that the back of a shirt has something the front doesn't. So it's, it's it is a bit of a, a kind of, but sometimes like you say that if they design them 360, it can be like, you look at it and think, well, it would be a shame not to. Well, if you think about the, the first time, uh, was it the Man United show with the go, the go faster stripes on the back? That was a prime example where the front of the shirt was completely plain and they had the stripes on the back. Do you remember that? Nike. Yeah, about the one, I hated that shirt. That's, do you know what really bugged me with that shirt is that it went up past the collar. So it always looked like that. It, it always looked like it was going up too far. It looked almost like there was a leg sticking out of the back. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but that was, um, that's a prime example. And Umbra at that time as well, where they, before the relaunch of kind of the kit world in 2009, they had all the, remember they were getting really intricate little kits with little diamonds and slashes yeah. and, that was a really good example of how the backs of the shirts were often as interesting as the front. But again, you know, it's hard enough finding the time to do the fronts so, and trying to get the backs in as well. And the other thing with smaller sponsors is that quite often they're smaller companies. And I found, especially with lower league teams, I couldn't make out who the sponsors were. Like if they got on the back of the shorts, I think, well, who are they? And you, <laughs> you know, because it's so tiny, you just, you just don't know who they are. Yeah. One one thing that I a little minor thing actually, just anecdotally, is just um, when you've been designing, or so when you've been illustrating kits, let's say you know through seventies, eighties, and so on. When you get to the point where like where Adidas started having their logo on the shorts, but on the back of the shorts rather than on the front, I always find it looks odd. It looks like it's missing something, and you go, I yeah. can't I can't publish that on a on my website because somebody will say, "Where's the Adidas logo?" Where you know it's on the back of the shorts. Um, so yes, and you've got to find a way. You find a way to do it. I mean, one of the best um, kit illustrators who I love his work is uh, the guy from Switch Image Project, and he always handles it yeah. really well. And his layouts are very similar to my earlier layouts that I first worked on before the book came out, but he does it so brilliantly and the way he can get those details in. Sure, yeah. That, yes, Switch Image Project are excellent, I have to say. Yeah, I forget the guy's name now. Oh, yeah. I'm sorry, but he's he's brilliant. Yeah, he works all yeah. over the internet. He's not not difficult to find some of that stuff. Yeah. yeah, yeah, he's very useful actually for a lot of the Argentina stuff that I've been looking at. And in fact, mm. it was I think it was um one of the shirts that I was trying to verify whether it was legit or not. I was actually using his just to <laughs> even things like the labels because he actually does like the actual yeah. shirt tags, uh, you know, in in down in proper detail. Um, but rather than rather than putting dodgy text on it, but um. Just yeah, just to <laughs> yeah, quite you know, just a just a token gesture. Yeah. <laughs> I was just like one last question I wanted to ask on the books is: so, having done it all, did you have any regrets about the whole endeavour? No. In f- <sighs> God, we can get into a really deep, deep topic here. <laughs> I think that was always my dream to do that—to do a book on football shirts—and that was my ambition. The only thing negative that come out of it is that when you've done your when you've achieved your ambition what do you then do and i think that's that took a little while to get over that a little bit um mm. does that make sense that you've, you've done something yeah. you've worked towards for years now what and that <laughs> i struggled with that sort of mentally struggled with that i think because 
it was such a dream of mine from being a young, young boy, a little boy obsessed with football shirts to actually have this done to be the first book of its kind almost was such a big deal for me. It's <laughs> how you then, how you then, what do you do next? TV so work, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. The offers are flooding in. <laughs> I didn't really consider that. So yeah, and that's a, I guess that's a fair point. That's you, yeah, you, you've a, achieved your ambition. Now what? Apart from making more yeah. books, those, I mean, I was just going to say, with regards to you know the uh, mythical volume three, um, okay. the, the the publishers did they after two did they sort of go uh, well you know we maybe didn't sell going by what you said earlier on didn't sell quite as many this time so maybe call it a day or did they actually no. want you to then follow up with a third volume or what was the situation well the, the the editor for my first book was a lady called claire who was really really great and the second book was a guy called robert and he was great as well um and he came down to see me after the second book and said we would want we want you to do an international team version and that, he actually came down to ashford where i was working at the time and uh, we went out for lunch and he said we want an international version and i gave it some thought and at the time, and we're looking at about, what, 2007, maybe? Mm. I said, I don't think it can be done because if I can't do it properly, I can't do it. I, I don't just want to fling something out there for the sake of it. It has to be right. And if you imagine, as you said, Rich, earlier, trying to find out what Portugal wore when they wore a one-off away kit in 1982, it's going to yeah. be a nightmare, let alone the legalities of approaching all these different countries yeah. and saying can we use your intellectual property here <laughs> so i re- regrettably had to say i don't think i can do it i think i could do it now because i think the material is out there online and the contacts i've got that i could fill in all those gaps but back then again we still didn't have that complexity and depth of knowledge online on what these teams are wearing and as i say if i can't make a fist of it i don't want to do it because it's got to be good i don't just want to sling any old rubbish out um so I kind of yeah (laughs) 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 nonsense but that's so I had to kind of turn that down in a way you know Hmm. but I would say actually I mean speaking from personal experience where I've done a couple of these graphics where you see you know that all of the kits belonging to a particular country like France or England or Germany over the last Mm. 50 years the reaction that they get is tremendous because people love to see that comparison all in one place of all of the kits worn yeah. by well not all the kits but over a particular period like 50 years yeah. and and people do appreciate it because it's not often they get to see all the kits in one place like that and that's why i've always found it gratifying to do but it takes a phenomenal amount of time to do the research do you know what i think biggest... mm. i was going to say do you know what i'd like to see is that it's maybe because i'm just thinking as well i mean based on when you did your france and germany and england ones uh john uh, not John, sorry, Chris. I was going to say Chris, and I thought, no, I've got the wrong name. Um, uh, when you did those, uh, you obviously had about almost like 50 illustrations yeah. for each one. Uh, and it, I think the issue you've got, and, and like you said, John, with the amount of different variations, depending on which point in history you start from, but even through the 80s, the amount of different shirts you'd yeah. have, you could, I mean, how many countries would you logically be able to fit into a book you know you couldn't because yeah. they take yeah. up a lot more space than than a club one would even though clubs have you know change and third kits and stuff but if you think if you tried to do argentina for instance i mean even just covering from the period from the 80s to now you'd probably have about 100 different kits mm. and but you'd you... end up with like a book with about three teams in it so <laughs> i, I was thing... gonna say go on sorry no sorry butting in i think that's what goes back to this setting those rules so you'd look at it and say okay unless there's a massive difference or i think my golden rule was two differences then you don't illustrate it but you refer to it in the text so you could say yeah. the following season the same shirt came i mean the, a classic one was man city their um maroon and white striped rubber shirt that came out with two different colors so i think and I, I i looked at it and thought that's not enough to warrant a new illustration so i had to refer to it in the text and say and an, an alternate version did come out so it's all about presenting the information in a way that's attractive to the new to the non-kit obsessive, if you know what I mean. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, like I was about to say was I think what I'd I'd personally like to see is tournament kits illustrated. Mm. So like for instance, like a Mexico eighty six book or an Italian ninety book or maybe like a World yeah. Cup period yeah. book, you know. Because that would be Do you know what? and that way it, it kind of narrows down what you have to then not research but narrows down the variation side of it because obviously you would have had a set of kits um, yeah which is generally 
in, obviously in the latter stages, you know, from the, the 70s and 80s onwards, it's a lot easier to find. But I think that would be quite cool as well. You know, if you have like a World Cup of the 80s and 90s book or something. Oh, definitely. I mean, the amount of ideas I've had over the years, literally, I, I, you know, there's been so many from posters, prints, playing cards, um, top Trump style games where you've, you know, if you get a clash and you're out, you've got to get an away. If you've not got an away shirt, you know, do you know what I mean? So, yeah, but the only thing with that is Dennis Hurley had always like start claiming kick, <laughs> short clashes. Was it overall kick pass or something? You just don't invite Dennis round. No, that's, that's the answer. You just don't invite him round. But there's been low, and of course, the biggest stumbling block is is copyright yeah. you know yeah. is is getting this permission a lot of people do stuff without getting permission and that's fine um but i don't yeah. like to wing it until you get caught and also no I'm, I'm hopefully got good relationships with these clubs over the years and um wouldn't like to continue for when i do the big yeah. book next you know that i've got those even though i'm not abusing that for example i looked at doing single club books doing little little a5 size books on just single clubs and i started the wheels in motion with that and chelsea said no we can't let you do it because we're exclusively tied into this publisher man united said any true colors no problem at all we love them you know we'd always give you our permission but we're tied into these publishers so there's all these legalities that just make it a no-no Well, this is the other thing as well, because the world has changed vastly in the last sort of 10, 11 years since the last book came out, you know, and obviously with not only just with the internet, but now with kits changing both kits and possibly third and fourth kits every single season, the the sheer amount is much more. But also, like you say, everyone is so much more savvy on image rights and stuff. So even Mm. 10 years ago, you know, people weren't as savvy now because like I say, social media didn't exist. There wasn't all these marketing channels. So people just kind of weren't as fussed about it whereas now like i I remember you telling me uh, one thing you were looking at doing john and similar to the chelsea thing and and just saying that nowadays even players have individual image rights and things so you can't that and it's just like it's it's just such a minefield now well i think i read somewhere if you look on the newcastle united website you can't use the words newcastle united together (laughs) it's kind of they've trademarked those words i'm not 100 percent sure but that's certainly reading between the lines that's the vibe of what they said so you can't (laughs) if you did a poster that said i love newcastle united you couldn't do it (laughs) are you allowed allowed to use the words fat bastard in the same sense i'm just thinking (laughs) if you talk about mike ashley he's copyrighted those words (laughs) My name's Chris Oakley. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, I've, I've copyrighted my name, so they're not going to be able to produce any stuff with my name on it. I'll <laughs> see how they like that. Um, <laughs> but I've had, I have had quite a few people knock up, rip off my stuff. Um, oh, yeah, I've seen it quite a lot. Yeah, I think, you, did you tell me, Rich, about the Coventry ones? The Coventry yeah, newspaper I, they did? Yeah, because, <laughs> well, I had um, I, a couple of years, oh, actually many years ago, so when we were in the championship, not lead two as we will soon be. Um, we, yeah. uh, me and when uh, my kids were quite young, we went to uh, a game at Easter and they had like a sort of uh, an Easter fun day thing going on. The kids got in for a quid and they got like a little Easter egg hunt and they got a mug. And the mug had a load That's of kit right. illustrations on it of Kovkis down the years. Now that was a right mixture as well because was, half yeah. of them half of them were yours, and some of them were just some other crappy illustrations that went with it. But I, I remember saying to you, I said, I, you know, I'm just assuming you didn't give them their permission because of the fact that it wasn't all your work. It was some of them were just you know naff, and it wasn't. Well, that was, and the stupid thing was a lot of the stuff they had taken from yours wasn't you know they had ones from the 90s which weren't yours so there was stuff where they could have taken yours and didn't and have these crap ones instead so i think what can that uh, so i because I, i've worked i've been really lucky that i've worked in a lot of programs and books and magazines over the years since and i did do a thing for coventry's uh, was it goodbye to highfield road program oh, yeah, yeah. really big thick program and i, I yeah, i've got that had some graphics in there and i think that's where they got them from so they probably went through their archive and thought oh these look yeah, good probably, let's yeah. use these yeah and and without thinking have we got the rights to use these so you have to be careful and people have, have done things on ebay big canvases of my Leeds united kits that wow. you just think hey you know and and but again they just plead ignorance and they you, you ask them they bring it down but yeah it's difficult yeah, i'm sorry about that john yeah. <laughs> 
As I say, it must be nice for you sitting in your uh, solid gold mansion there, John, from all the, yeah. uh, the, yeah. the, 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 the legal cases that you've won and the, and the money that you've <laughs> claimed. Back. Yeah, the, on, the only thing I've ever won from legal cases was a box of uh, World Cup Panini stickers. I think, did I tell you that story? Oh, uh, yes, yeah, so I remember once. you saying about that, yeah. <laughs> somebody, somebody used my illustrations for a competition and I, hadn't, yeah. I didn't know anything about it. And they said, oh, we're really sorry. What can we do to make it up to you? And because the competition was sort of like semi-sponsored by Panini, I said, well, <laughs> and it was always my dream to have a box of football stickers. So that was it. Another dream. Another one ticked off. Excellent. I was going to say, you do, you do know you can buy them for about 30 quid on eBay. Yeah, I, no, I didn't. But I didn't want to ask. I didn't want to ask them for the money. I wanted to get something that they could. Yeah, I didn't want to appear a real hard ass about it. I just sort of um, thought it'd be a, je- a token gesture. So they were more, they were more than happy to do it. So it and that, they got that letter and they're like, "Wow, this John Dempsey is <laughs> yeah. nuts, isn't he? You know, he could have he could have sued us for hard to keep them come, but he's weirdo. Man, he wants a box of stickers. <laughs> Chris, you'd have done the same, wouldn't you? I, I know totally you would have done. Have been more than happy to get a box of stickers. Absolutely. That evening, ripping them open and sort of, yeah. <laughs> Love it. <laughs> Rolling around naked in them. Yeah, we know. <laughs> yeah, right. We've all done it. <laughs> smelling the backs when you peeled it off, just smelling the backs yeah. of it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Meanwhile, they're just they're just uh, rev- uh, sort of putting a load together, a load of new competitions together with using all your work, <laughs> knowing they can buy you up so cheap. <laughs> stickers. Yeah. <laughs> Well, I, I fear, sadly, that we're, we're gradually running out of time. But before we sort of move on to wrapping the whole thing up, John, there's a quick uh, pop quiz, just so that people can really tap into what your views are on certain aspects of uh, kit design. So uh, simple questions, these snap answer. Uh, club badges, right or centre? Right. Well, I always say left because I always envisage, envisage them wearing the shirt. Yeah, oh, I see. So, OK. So yeah, right. Yeah, right. Definitely. Nike or Adidas? Nike. Yeah. Uh, tight shirts or baggy shirts? Tight shirts. Uh, Scotland, blue shorts or white? White shorts. <laughs> Ridiculous question. <laughs> <laughs> Why is it whenever I do... Anyway, no, I'm not even going to go down that road. Um, and uh, finally, Wales, red shorts or white shorts? Red. Ooh. Actually, there is one last. There is one last question. Uh, mm. Sign football podcast or football <laughs> <Aspen> <laughs> podcast? Oh no! Uh, no, no, I'm not getting drawn into that. There was another question I had, which uh, Chris has just. I, I see that he's kind of changed the the colour of that in the group sheet, which is kind of a subtle way of saying we're not asking that question. <laughs> oh, go on then. What was it? <laughs> You're going to regret this, John. If a train leaves Euston at 16.03, travelling at 80 miles per hour, and I eat three apples, will anyone hear the tree when it falls over? <laughs> oh, God. Yeah, you can see why he played why he yeah, it out. <laughs> uh, Good well, stuff. We could have gone on for at least another hour. We've still got extra questions that we never asked. Maybe what we'll do is pitch them to you, John, oh, uh, by way of text, and then we can sort of uh, add that into our crib sheet, and that way we get more people asking to subscribe to our crib sheet. Uh, it's, it's, it's as simple and as transparent as that, I'm afraid. But uh, No, but, it's uh, been brilliant. I've really enjoyed well, it. Really enjoyed needless it. Needless to say, we, we thank you very much indeed for uh, basically – just giving us so much detail about how the True Colours books um, uh, came into being. Um, and um, um, are, there, are there any plans for sort of reprints, at least, if not new versions of the book? Do you ever get asked to sort of reprint them? Well, as I, as I said, there is, it will happen. There will be, if I had my way, there will be an expanded version of it. So it would be more clubs going back further, yeah, obviously filling in the 10 years, 12 years since, mm-hmm. goalies, tracksuits, that's that's my next dream. So that's my next ambition is to do that. So quite how that will come out, I don't know, but it, it will happen. Watch this space, I suspect. is. Uh, I've been saying that for a couple of years, but <laughs> it will do. It will do. Excellent stuff. All right, John. Well, um, uh, just to sort of go into the final furlong of this uh, particular podcast, um, we need to address the matter of the kit-off vote from the last podcast, which was all about Mexico World Cup shirts. We gave uh, you, our wonderful listeners, uh, three choices, the 86 World Cup shirt, the 98 World Cup shirt, and the 2010 World Cup shirt. Uh, Rich, how did the voting go? 
Uh, it went surprise. Well, it, it, it was a landslide for for the uh, actual winner um, with a massive sixty five percent. However, I'm quite surprised that uh, I, I, it wasn't shirt B, by the way, which I, mm. I think I said people might go for because it's mm. the one with the sort of Aztec face on it. Um, but that didn't win, and then not only that, but it was way down in second place. So the winner was shirt A from the '86 World Cup. I mean, it's it's a classic shirt, and also it's the one with Mexico written on the back. So you can't ask for more than that. Um, shirt B came in second, predictably with only 23. percent I was surprised. Did I say that the first one got 65? percent I can't remember. It did. But um, I mean, that has got Mexico written on it, but it's only small. But it's it's the Aztec print. I thought that would do really well. I really yes, am surprised yes. that didn't that didn't do so well. What I'm more surprised about is shirt C. Twelve percent of our our listeners slash voters voted for it. Who the hell are you? Why? Why would you vote for that as the best shirt? Are you insane? Need names, addresses, contact details. This is yeah, not allowed. You are not welcome <laughs> on this podcast anymore. I am a very inclusive person, but you make me sick. <laughs> huh, okay. Uh, no, there you no, go. Anyway. <laughs> Anyway, for the next kit off vote, we're going to ask for John to select three Scotland shirts. So, not right now. We're going to get him to do that. Oh, give him enough time. Unless he has the. Do you have three? Uh, no, I haven't quite that? decided. So oh, that's good. Okay, that's right. You've got plenty of time, John. You can uh, <laughs> thank uh, you ponder on that. But we're going to ask John as a. Can as we a can we fan. choose them from three tournaments that they? Oh no, because that won't. Oh, really don't start that again. How about seventy? How about seventy four and seventy eight? We could go for those shirts, Rich. <laughs> Yeah, yeah um, was that when you got past the first? Oh, no. no, no. Right. Enough, enough. <laughs> but needless to say, listeners, that you'll be choosing from three Scotland shirts. Uh, we're not even sure they're going to be home or away shirts. So we're entirely down to John Devlin. But um, basically, uh, keep your eye open on the uh, uh, the Football Attic website. We'll have all the details on there accompanying uh, this podcast, which is number 15. And uh, also, if you follow us on Twitter as well, then you'll be able to see the choice of three shirts there too. Um, very briefly before we go, Rich, um, you've been adding shirts to your personal collection, have you not? I have indeed. I think on the last podcast I mentioned the Toulouse shirt, the limited edition one in purple with the lace-up collar, and I think I said I was debating whether to buy it or not. And Well, I think I bought it about two minutes after ending the podcast. (laughs) Um, And that that has now arrived, and it is gorgeous. Uh, The only slight issue, because I think I mentioned as well that it didn't come in a box, and I said, no, I wanted a box. It did come in a box. However, what it also came in was a frigging jiffy bag all the way from France. Thanks for that, Toulouse, because the box was completely mashed to pieces. Oh, so, but the shirt itself is absolutely gorgeous, so uh, I'm very happy that I bought that. Um, uh, another shirt that I have got arriving uh, is a Mexico shirt uh, from the Mexico 86 World Cup. It's the away shirt. Sadly, it doesn't have Mexico written on the back, but I don't think the replicas did. But I'm very much looking forward to getting that. Uh, I have also, yesterday, I, uh, Classic Football Shirts had a Copenhagen uh, a special shirt which they wore in the I think it's the 2007-2008 season which has their logo uh, their crest in gold all over it it's a <laughs> bit of a, a, a bit of a mental shirt uh, but I have ordered that so that's on the way I also have a Scotland shirt on the way you know because I've run out of toilet paper John ha 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 that's my joke just, yeah I know I've just <laughs> stolen it for the podcast that's what we English do we steal <laughs> things from the Scots like your oil and your deep fried Mars bars and your heart disease <laughs> uh, so this is the the one that was, I think it's the previous uh, one they had before this one which is the one with the sort of silvery silvery detail and the sort of tartan sleeves uh, managed to get that cheaper fee but it's a very nice shirt that is oh, okay um, how much do you pay for that uh, oh, I can't remember about oh, that's about twelve quid, including postage. I think. Oh, okay, I think it's got mm. it's got McLean on the back, so I don't know if that's I don't know if that was actually a player or that of someone's personal shirt that they've got, and therefore you know things like that with random mm. names on the back tend to go cheaper. But I thought, well, I just like the actual detail, although it's still got the tags on it, weirdly enough. And I don't know if McLean was an actual Scottish player. You know, I can't we call him? No, exactly. I think it was probably just whoever owned it got that printed on for themselves and the last one i think i think last time i was on the podcast i'd got a brazil 86 shirt well i have now since added a brazil 90 shirt to that which i got relatively cheap off ebay so happy with that too uh, and i think that's it 
think that's all I've bought. I was like, oh, oh actually, no, last lot. I bought a, uh, four shirts off Mark Lund recently. Uh, it was the guy that runs the um, MECP2 campaign, the Alfie Lund Fund um, on the Facebook group. I think he's pretty much gone through all the shirts now, but I think he's now selling scarves off and stuff. So I've mentioned that before on the podcast. So go and check that facebook group out because it's doing uh raising a lot of money for a good cause and obviously selling off some quite cheap shirts and stuff as well so hmm. yes i think that's all i say all oh my god that's like in three weeks <clears throat> i've bought about seven shirts <laughs> gone mad mrs johnson's not listening to this is she <laughs> she sees them they all hang up in the house and she's just like to be buying a lot of shirts again of late i'm like no i'm not i'm not <laughs> Can we go on holiday? Can we go on holiday this year? No, no, we can't. No. Yeah, we can. We're going to uh, we're going to uh, the kit shop. Yeah. <laughs> uh, um, well, I just wanted to point out just uh, an update from my own personal sort of corner of the world is that I've just been updating the Kiplis website this week, and the main thing I've done this week was launched a uh, a graphic which shows all the. Uh, NASL teams from the 1979 season because uh, just uh, John, you and I, when we were doing the um, design football podcast, we mentioned NASL kits, and at, oh, at the time I remember thinking, yeah. "Oh, I must must illustrate some of those at some point." So uh, yeah, I picked You've 79. Done a brilliant and, job with those. Really oh, good. You. That's very kind of you to say. Indeed, so. I was going to say, I think you should sell those, uh, Chris. I think you should get them printed as posters and flog them. What? <laughs> But it actually just reminds me of something. I was going to thank you for that. But I was going to say earlier on when we were talking about the True Colours books is that um, John's not allowed to say it, but any Sheffield Wednesday fans out there that want to see what the pages would have looked like, you can buy them from John. Um, just contact him directly. Um, he will be able to. He can't advertise them, but he will sell the prints separately. So just uh, drop him a line. It's all possible. Um, no, he'll, meet, he'll meet you in a lay-by somewhere on the A. That's right. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Um, but I know, yeah. just going to point out before anyone says it, I don't know if the A5 is anywhere near. I know it's not, it's around here, it, it's not near Sheffield. I don't know any of the roads around Sheffield. I'm sorry, please substitute that with your own motorway, A roads, whatever you have up north. I don't know, dirt tracks, something. <laughs> just kidding, just kidding. <laughs> I, I, would, I would like to you know, knock out a sure, poster there with all the NASL kits, but um, same same deal as you said earlier on, John, about the copyright. You just can't really do it. Otherwise, I'd have well, it. Actually, well, I was thinking one. about that. I did think about that, but I just thought, to be honest, NASL kits from the 70s, is anyone really going to chase the copyright on that if you're doing it as a private enterprise thing, if you're doing it on a small scale like that? I don't think they're that fast, to be honest. That's the question. But, I mean, you've also got the manufacturer's logos, their designs. There's, there's loads of questions there. Oh, I just shut, wish I knew the answers. Shut up. Shut up. <laughs> just let him do it, and then he'll get in prison, and it'll be funny. I was just going to say, Rich wants me to end up in prison. That's what this comes down to. <laughs> It's quite he can be the football attic, the football attic king on his own. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Woohoo! Yeah, my podcast will be a bit dull, though. <laughs> Anyway. Actually, yeah, the podcast would then become once a month in 15-minute bursts through a prison window. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm sorry, Mel, you can't visit your husband because I'm recording a podcast this week. Yeah. I've got to talk about the, lo- the latest Janzu kits. <laughs> <laughs> anyway... Um, needless to say, you want to see the if you haven't already seen the the, the graphic I did for the uh, NASL kits, you can find it on uh, kitlist.co.nz. And if you head to the notice board page, it's all there, so you can uh, have a look at it in all its glory. Uh, but that's what I've been up to. Uh, we heard from Shaky after the last podcast, he corrected a few things, as Rich said earlier on about the uh, the, the I think it was the Italy kit. Uh, he said, from 1974, the World Cup shirt was also made by another Italian company until. 77, the crest was vinyl slash plastic. Uh, then it changed to embroidered cloth in 78. And then in 79, the manufacturer changed to Landoni until the Cox Sportif supplied the uh, Italian's uh, kit in 1980. And he also went on to say that the Mexico shirt was actually made by Adidas, but uh, leased out, as, uh, as Rich said earlier on. So uh, thanks for getting back to us about that, Shaky. It's always good to get more detail. I don't know where, how you found that out, because I could have spent all what, a whole month looking for that sort of stuff. He just on, knows all this never, stuff. He knows that stuff. Uh, he's, he's a it's in his guy. DNA. <laughs> I reckon so um and uh that's about it i uh, just want to tell you of course how you can find us really um twitter.com forward slash football attic facebook.com forward slash the football attic uh the website is www.thefootballattic.com 
And if you want to send us an email old school style, uh, then you can admin at the football attic.com. Uh, the podcast is on iTunes. Uh, John, how can we find you and all your wonderful work? Um, Twitter is probably the best bet, which is True Colours Kits. There's also a Facebook page. Um, and my website is truecoloursfootballkits.com, which I hope will be going under a bit of a um, refresh fairly soon. So, yeah, or email me, John, at truecoloursfootballkits.com for any anything you want to talk about. But it's, it's always lovely hearing from people, and I'm always really grateful that people still like True Colours. So, yeah, thanks for that. That's all right. You're welcome. And as if this podcast hasn't gone on long enough, uh, we just wanted to make a very quick announcement. Um, this is just something that we, we might mention in the future, but in, in briefer terms. Um, we've just decided that on the on the Football Attic Kit podcast that um, we're going to, from here onwards, support um, mental health charities and uh, stuff like that. Because um, you might be thinking, what? That's a bit random. Um, just the reason is because I, I had this idea um, about a week or two after we finished the blog site, the, the Football Attic blog site back in whenever that was, end of 2015, I thought, wouldn't it have been good? We had we were lucky enough to have a, an audience of some size. Wouldn't it have been good to have actually m- sort of uh, mobilise that audience to do some good for a wider range of people all around the world? And, like, for instance, asking people to make a small donation to a charity or something. You know, we had an audience then. And I mm. cut this idea and it was too late. But just the other day, I thought, oh, yes, I had that idea before. We should do that again. And so basically what we've decided, Rich and I, is that we're going to support Mind UK, which is a mental health and depression charity, uh, helping lots and lots of people out in the UK. If you're listening to this from the UK, we would love it if you could just make a small donation of whatever you can afford um, to that charity or indeed any mental health charity um, of your choice. And indeed, if you're listening uh, to this podcast from outside of the UK, just spend a moment or two, if you can, just to find out which uh, charities of that kind are around in your part of the world. And please consider just making a small donation or just helping out, volunteering, whatever it might be. Um, mental health charities are something that are close to the heart of both myself and Rich. Um, and therefore, we would like to support them in some way. So Basically, we thought in the past what we've sort of said at this point of the podcast is please go onto iTunes and leave us a wonderful review, and uh, basically that will make us feel a whole lot better about ourselves. And we thought, well, how shallow is that? Uh, we actually have a chance to help out a wider range of people, so that's what we're going to do. Um, if you visit the website uh, footballattic.com, you'll find a little blue promo graphic there, and if you click on that, you will see a little message by me which explains all of that in slightly greater detail. But um, from here on, uh, that's what we're doing, and uh, we hope you'll support us in uh, in doing so. Anyway, that's our announcement over and done with. Hope that's all Fantastic. right. Fantastic. Good call, guys. Thank you very much, John. That's, uh, that's very good of you. Um, so, uh, yeah, we'll just give a brief version of that reminder in future. So in case you're thinking, oh, my God, I'm not going to download their podcast. Yeah. We're going to go on all about depression and mental health charities for hours on end. We won't. It's okay. It's fine. We won't. Anyway. That, I think, is it. Um, anything else to add, Rich, before we go? No, just to say thank you very much, John, for coming on. It's been an absolute pleasure. Uh, it's yeah. been brilliant. No, thank you ever so much for asking me. Always, a, always great to talk to you guys. Thank you. Likewise. Thank you, John, for your time. And uh, obviously, we'll be inviting you back on a future edition of the podcast. You can be sure of that. Um, but uh, for the time being, Ladies and gents listening in, thank you very much indeed. And uh, we hope to be back with you again next week, as soon as next week with another podcast. Uh, but uh, the time being, from myself, from Rich Johnson, and indeed from John Devlin, it's goodbye to you all. Goodbye. Goodbye. goodbye.